Welcome to the Trigonometry Show, the show for practical shooters. Pistol, shotgun or rifle, bolt or semi-auto. If it has a trigger, we probably enjoy shooting and talking about them. I'm your host Kerry, and this show features regular guests talking about competitions and courses, reloading and unloading, tips, tricks and reviews, all focused around practical shooting in New Zealand. Many thanks to all our supporters and sponsors that help this show exist, but an extra special thanks to the Gear Locker, where you can find long range shooting and reloading accessories that you won't find anywhere else in New Zealand. Check them out at gearlocker.nz and make sure you tell them that we sent you. The 6.5 guys for people in New Zealand hopefully have seen some of your videos online, but I guess some of them may not have as well. As a, as just as a quick intro, can you uh, introduce yourselves and um, a little bit of what the 6.5 guys are about? You bet. So um, I'm Steve Lawrence. And I'm Ed Mobling. And we started 6.5 Guys in 2013 um, really as an experiment. Uh, we started off just videotaping ourselves at our range that we shoot at just for practice. And we would use it as a tool to sit back and, and analyze what we were doing and how we could improve. And we posted a couple of these on social media um, with the idea of, hey, let's see if people watch this stuff. We, you know, we actually experimented creating a YouTube first and it took off relatively quickly. And so we kind of fell into it that way. But essentially what it's become is uh, what we're call calling it is chronically our journey as precision shooters. So, you know, we don't position ourselves as experts, but, you know, we're just sort of anybody's Joe out there, just regular guys. We have regular full-time jobs and we do this for fun. Yeah, it's just, you know, the... You know, and and sometimes the ebb and flow of our production is you know driven by the demands of our of our respective uh, you know as I like to uh, say in a self-deprecating way our uh, paper pushing uh, day jobs, but uh, you know they certainly enable us uh, to to do this. And as Steve indicated, the uh, the response has been very favorable, and we're really seeing as uh, you know there's, there's there's been a bit of a a snowball effect and you know we'll put out a video now and you know we'll get you know viewership overnight that you know before would would take us several months mm -hmm. uh to get and uh, and then you know having folks like you reaching out and you know having other uh equipment suppliers mm -hmm. and competitors and whatnot um you know it's 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 very flattering and it, and it also uh so it's very encouraging yeah in fact i consider this just as fun as, as a shooting part as the people we meet and the places we get to go to. Um, yeah. It, it's been, you know, very rewarding. Well, and, and, and the thing is, is that, um, we consider ourselves journalists of the sport and because you look at the, the top shooters and, and we recognize we're couple of middle-aged guys and, you know, we'll, we'll probably get a little better before we, we start getting worse. But, you know, our real contribution to the sport, we believe, is, is not just being the, the super top competitors. I mean, we're, we're good competitors and, and, and we do well, but we don't want to put pressure on ourselves to have to be the, the top top competitors. Yeah. yeah, it's not why we're doing this. Exactly. It's it's like it's it's going to the matches to have fun. If you do well and get a good prize off the table, that that's a bonus. But our real objective is to provide uh, insight and understanding of the sport and to enable people who are getting yeah. into the sport or who are maybe at an intermediate level and want to get better. Yeah, I really view ourselves as as ambassadors, like you said, of of trying to build some exposure and public support for what it is we're doing. Um, in fact, you know, we get to meet a lot of our audience members um, from time to time that just come up to us and say, hey, I actually showed up, this is my very first match and I'm yeah. here because of, you know, the information you put out there and the encouragement to, to just jump into it. So I, I find that extremely rewarding, very satisfying. <laughs> well, but the worst part of, of it is people say, hey, Ed, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, <laughs> you don't know that, you know, you, you know, you feel bad, you know, you know, you're like, okay, have I met you before? And, and I mean, now, now we're 
kind of getting used to it. And I guess you said you were at the, one of the big, uh, big box, uh, yeah, the big box retailers, retail, uh, retail store. Yeah. yeah I, I was, uh, trying to get some hardware for a home project and I got caught off guard. You know, I was so focused on trying to find what it is I was looking for. Somebody just came up to me and said, Hey, six, five guys. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I thought it was very, very nice that, you know, somebody, you know, took the time to say hi, but it, again, it kind of catches you off guard because you're not ready for it. Yeah, and and what's interesting? So you know, we we're going to be going to Shot Show again for the the third time, and for your viewers, I mean, that's uh, probably one of the world's largest uh, gatherings of of, of um, you know shooting of, of the shooting uh, industry. And uh, you know, when we were at Shot Show last year, people were saying, "Hey, the six five guys," and you know, they they take pictures with us, and I mean, that was nice. But what was interesting is, you know, who they were. And we were finding out, you know, there were like uh, people who were like on police sniper squads and there were folks from the advanced marksmanship unit. And it's like, what could you possibly be getting from us? Right. I mean, and <laughs> a couple of schmoes right, and just do this on the weekend. Right, exactly. And, yeah. and and but what they shared is that, you know, the, the nature of our jobs, you know, we're both, you know, business consultants and. So, you know, we like to take a very data-driven approach and, and, and break things down. And, and as Steve said, we don't put ourselves out there as, as experts. And, and, and so people appreciate the very data-driven and objective approach uh, that, that we take. That, that really seems to be resonating. Yeah. something that I found when I was getting into uh, pistol shooting a couple of years ago is part of me what I had seen of pistol shooting for example was everything online so it was that um, you know a couple of years ago there was footage coming out from the the instructors at the that high tier or the high level competition um, or, or your Travis Haley's or those guys and you're kind of looking at it going wow that's a that seems to be a very specific group of people there was a lot of law enforcement a lot of military a lot of big arms and a lot of tattoos and I was kind of like what am I going to walk into and I remember the first day actually going to a range and for lack of a better term like me it was a group of as you call yourself the paper pushers and the geeks and gamers and guys who um, just wanted to shoot you know it was a completely different group of people than I thought it was going to be and you've always got uh, that that element of the ex-military and or the current military and law enforcement in there as well but I'm finding for a lot of it, it is just people who have got their day job you know they're nine to five during the week and then on the weekends that they do get out and shoot and that's why I was refreshing to see you guys being data driven and a little bit more maybe um accessible i guess for 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 the non you know i'm not ex-military um for the non guys who don't have that background it's more relatable because of of you know your guys background it, it's a lot more similar <laughs> well you know it's interesting you mentioned the the law enforcement and military and and what we're seeing is a lot of them are coming to these civilian matches because we, we don't have gear restrictions and so we're an interesting laboratory for them to decide, you know, what works and doesn't work from a gear perspective, because, you know, it's when, when they do make changes, they have to be very well thought out and deliberate because of all the supply chain considerations and our alliances with other countries and so forth that have compatibility. And, and so I, I just find that very interesting how, you know, how, how they look at our, our sport and what we do in a, in a very credible as, as a credible source of information. 2013, when you started, did the PRS exist at that point? It's it's been 2003. Oh yeah, okay, it will have been. So, did did you go straight in? Were you shooting PRS at that point, or is that something you've gotten into since then? Or well, no, it's, yeah. it's important to make a distinction that people 
say PRS, and there there is you know Precision Rifle Series is a a group. That, it's an organization that's been formed to organize national level competition, and it's called a series because there these matches are run typically independently by individual match directors, and they are quote unquote sanctioned by Precision Rifle Series that. Um, where they comply with certain rules of how they are to be run and how shooters are ranked. And so they get put into a national ranking system. I, I guess uh, it's a lot like IPSC and IDPA, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, um, we we tend to say a, a lot PRS-style matches because there are matches that are run just like any typical PRS match, but they're not, quote-unquote, sanctioned by PRS. They're not recognized right. by, by the national organization um, and so we compete probably more in those than in official PRS matches. And, and that's where we met is at one of these local club PRS-like matches and, um, you know, recognized that we had a lot in common and, and enjoyed shooting together. So we naturally, you know, started becoming shooting partners. Um, but I think it wasn't until 2014 where we both signed yeah. up and actually registered with PRS to become ranked. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we met in May of uh, 2013. You know, we 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 hooked up through uh, social media, and I guess both being consultants, we realized how poorly we shot. <laughs> and so, and so we figured out, you know, let's in a stepwise fashion, uh, you know, decide how to get better. And as Steve mentioned, you know, we just, I mean, our original video was just, you know, an iPhone propped up. I think we were shooting off uh, an incline and we just put it out there just to see what would happen. And yeah, in fact, well, yeah. the six, five guys, um, if you actually look at our coat of arms or our logo, if you will, um, we actually poke fun at ourselves. Um, there's a little Latin phrase in there that says vetus et tardus veterinary accuratus, which translated loosely means old and slow, but accurate. <laughs> um, you can be recognized, hey, you know, we're, uh, you know, middle-aged guys that have a few extra pounds, but we're, we're just getting out there and, and having fun. Right, right. But, but even... You know, we're, we're getting better, right? Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, how do you think for the, the shooting sports? I mean, a couple of years ago, I'm just trying to think five, so I don't know. I, I was saying to someone recently, I feel old because I can actually say that I was a generation that was pre-internet, you know, um, where we didn't have this ability to share all the information. Um, and the same now, obviously, with with. YouTube, which is your your my understanding is still your primary platform for getting your media out there, and Facebook. Yeah, so 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 it's interesting. So yeah, I mean, most people find us through Facebook and YouTube, but but what we found out is you know each video has a has a detailed article, and what we found out is that the search engines key off these articles. So when you search on certain terms, you know, like just load development or shooting your first rifle match, just generic terms, that's what gets hit, and and that's and that's what's that's actually there. a very yeah. interesting point yeah. Ed makes is we we have written what I'll call uh, signature articles where um, we haven't done videos, for example, on on how to get into shooting or um, like six five or six five forty seven cartridge guide. Um, we, we've written some very, what I call, very serious articles that actually have a lot of substance to them um, that we've put out on the internet. And um, those have gotten quite a bit of traction um, on the internet as just good pieces of information. And we encourage anybody to, like, link to them and <laughs> put them on their website because it, it, it just helps us. It just helps yeah. get, get the word out. You know, just so long as there's attribution, go ahead and copy whatever you want. Crazy, but I, I go look through the website stats for uh, my site, and still the most popular post is a post I did years ago, not as a throwaway post, but I didn't think a whole lot about it on T-bone steaks. What is a T-bone steak? How should you cook a T-bone steak? And and some months it'll get twice the hits of any other article. All the articles I've spent all this time researching and writing, everyone is there to see about the T-bone steaks. And it's um, the website is not really about T-bone steaks, but um, obviously Google now thinks that it is. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting you mention that because right now our most popular videos are the are the ones on load development. And we had originally hesitated to do that because it's like, 
there's so many videos and articles on that. Because the, we, the last thing, we don't want to do any Me Too videos. We want to make sure that we, we provide fresh new information, but we just had a lot of people ask us about load development. So it's like, okay, fine, we'll, 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 we'll do the video, right? That, yeah. that plus, you know, we have a, a good friend, Scott Satterley. Yes, and that was been a, in a couple yeah. of videos. And, and it was interesting because he had actually been watching some of the stuff that we had put out. And he, I remember meeting him at a match and he said, hey, what about this idea? And he started talking to us about his load development. And, you know, um, the three of us got into this conversation. We're like, we should we should get together and actually do a video on it. It's actually become yeah. one of the most popular ones that we've done. Exactly. And, and, and the approach we use now by essentially using, uh, you know, just the chronograph data to, to identify a, a good load. I mean, we're, we're even doing some load development now. And, you know, when the weather's bad or, or you know, we really don't have the time just off, you know, my back porch, I just, you know, I put on the, a suppressor with my magneto speed. And, and so far, uh, there's, there's, you know, very high correlation between that the best chronograph data gives, gives you the best group on paper and at, at, at range. And, you know, and, until we start seeing a divergence of that, that's that's the approach uh, we're going to continue to take. So it's so convenient. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's it. Like you say, convenient. You're not dependent on having, uh, well, a range or a good amount of weather going in there. I mean, I did a similar thing. After reading your article on your site, um, I did a, a, a test which did the um, – OCW, you know, I figured out, I tested it with OCW, then tested it using your, the 6.5 guy system, and then talking to somebody now who's got quick load so that we can also try and develop one using um, OBT um, and see if we can kind of find a predictor load before I even pull the trigger once, um, which again is the, saves us having to run all that ammunition through your barrel um, and and find that load quicker. I guess that's the goal is because if you can predict that load, um, it just saves wear um, and and time. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy going out and doing load testing, but I'd prefer to just be shooting rather than having to do that. Pro I know other people love. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I was at the range today and uh, we got a bunch of bolts to test. And so um, I had a whole bunch of lows. It took me literally <laughs> almost three hours to kind of get through all of my testing. And I hadn't really planned on spending that much right. time doing it, but it, yeah, it, it takes time. And, and if you're putting a lot of barrel rounds through a barrel, particularly uh, like a six mil, you know, you're just wearing it out. Well, exactly. But it's interesting. You mentioned OCW and, and, you know, optimal barrel uh, time, but you know, what we've found out is that because, because, you know, I did OCW before uh, Scott Satterley, you know, shared his approach with us. And it just so happened that the OCW load was also the one that had the lowest standard deviation and, and lowest extreme spread. And and so, you know, we don't discount uh, the OCW approach. We don't discount the, the optimal barrel time approach. Because uh, you know what's good in those other techniques, I think the right yeah. answer will tend to you know um, you, you'll you triangulate towards sort of the same answer. Yeah, exactly. It's um, yeah, no, and that's that's what I've been finding as well. So that's why I'm interested with the the OBT because I get a funny feeling. Yes, I'm going to end up with the result. It's like the third time is telling me the exact same load that I should be using with this rifle. Well, it would be good to know. Let us let us know that uh, <laughs> how that turns out. So, I mean, how when you're when you're you're obviously doing the reviews, you're doing a lot of the filming and stuff. Has that sort of changed your approach to the your equipment use and evaluating equipment, um, or has it been something you've always been interested in, just trying those different systems and different uh, products and stuff, or? Did you kind of go, well, now we need to do more of it because of the videos? You were doing it already and you just started filming it, basically? I would say, well, I'll, I'll start off at least my perspective. Oh, sure, yeah, I, I've yeah. always been um, kind of fascinated just by, by different gear. Um, I guess, um, you know, I, I'm kind of a gadget freak to begin with, really into kind of electronics and stuff. I, I love kind of seeing new products, new, new innovation, new ideas being brought to market. And I think as a competitive shooter, guys are always trying to look for that extra edge of, you know, can this piece of gear 
be used in such a way, um, or even it might be a gear that's been out there for a while. Is there is there a new way to use this in such a way that um, you know I can bring something new to the to the competitive game? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I look at it from that angle. Um, you know, in fact, I see a lot of stuff out there. Um, you know, people are bringing stuff to to market that I'm not sure how it's new or how it's innovative. Um, but uh, you know, we always try to keep a, an open mind to, to kind of new ways to of how things can be used. But um, in terms of the stuff that we use, you know, we only use stuff that works for us. You know, if right. we recognize a, a product that somebody uses and if it's effective for them, it may or not may or may not work for us. But you know, we in fact we just shot a video earlier today that where we went through and showed what we personally will take to a match and the gear right. that we use. Um, it may not be the same gear. I think in some instances it is um, a lot of the stuff that the top shooters use, but we recognize everyone's different. Everyone has different tastes. Well, and we did we did a similar video a year and a half ago, and, and obviously uh, things change. But you know, if I if I understood your your original uh, question, it's like the the fact that now we produce videos and do this does that somehow drive our our equipment selection? Uh, no, I mean it's again it's a journey and and we're always wanting to to optimize what we do and and we're 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 we're, we're basically documenting uh that journey and so we're going to continue to to you know optimize and 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 share those results. Now things have changed a bit in so much as now people send us stuff for evaluation and we'll certainly share our experience with that, but you know we're not going to let uh, our equipment choices be dictated yeah. j- just to create a video or just because somebody sends us something. And I think we try to be clear. I think if you watch the, the gear updates that we do, we, we try to put them out every week, although um, you know sometimes we miss some weeks. But um, I think you'll recognize if you watch those carefully, there's certain pieces of gear that we will clearly state, hey, we use this, we love it. And if you watch other episodes, you'll actually see us use that gear in the field. There's other products um, where it's it's new, and we're just introducing it. Right. Um, we're not necessarily um, offering a an opinion or or an endorsement. It's really to build awareness, saying, "Hey, you gave, you guys may not have seen product X, but here it is. You know, here's what it does. And if it, you know, if you find this of interest, go to the website and check it out. And, and so, you know, we're doing that just to build awareness and um, to. Or I drive some exposure for a lot of kids out there. Yeah, because because every shooter is different, right? And so, you know, we may look at a product and 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 maybe it doesn't resonate with us, but some other shooter might see that, and for them, for their physique or for the type of shooting that they're doing, it might be the greatest thing since sliced bread, and 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 that's great, and and that's why we're always, I mean, you know, that that's why we do it. That that's why we 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 put stuff out there. And I, I'm, I should clarify, I'm not, um, your, the videos you're doing don't just come across as infomercials. There are other channels out there that you swear they've been sent something and it's just the greatest thing they've ever used. And then next week it's the greatest thing they've ever used. And then next week it's the greatest thing they've ever used. But it, like you say, it's great because it's it's putting the awareness out there. Try it out for yourself as well. We like this element of it. And I've done similar things. I like this about it. I probably, for certain items, there's things I've said, well, I'm not going to use it for this reason, this reason, this reason, which are individual mm-hmm. to me. Um, whereas other people, yes, it's going to be much more suitable to them um the the other side which i suffer from sometimes as well because of the the um again i enjoy just trying all these different systems and equipment and everything like that how do you balance uh the the balance of um chasing new toys or new gear to make you a better shooter versus learning the equipment that you have and getting the most out of it. And this is something I've suffered with as well. I, I, I run out of money. <laughs> I have no, I think there is wisdom. Uh, and I've, I've come uh, slowly to learn this lesson um, because I, I get quickly distracted by kind of the newest whiz bang cool stuff where I'm like, wow, that's a sick looking rifle. I wish I had one just like right. it. Um, but, and I think you'll see in my continuing journey through precision rifle you know i've tried a lot of different chassis um i have been using quite a bit that manners um elite tactical elite stock the the carbon fiber shell stock 
which I really love. And now I mm -hmm. just got a second one. I, I, my belief is I'll probably begin to standardize that and sell off a couple of the chassis that I have um, because, you know, I've tried a lot of stuff out and I also recognize that if you kind of use just one piece of gear, you're not constantly having to change your muscle memory right. to reaccommodate your shooting style to a particular piece of gear. So, I mean, I'm, I'm different than Steve in that respect because I make changes at a glacial pace. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm a creature of habit, you know, when I, when I, when I travel, uh, when I'm at a hotel, I sit at the same table at the same place for breakfast if I can, right? Cause it worked right. And unless there's a compelling reason to, to change it, I, I won't, but you know, I'll, I'll always, you know, entertain incremental improvements. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, but as far as, you know, what I'm going to bring to a match, my, the, the changes I make are, are, are very gradual and, and, and very deliberate because I don't want to change a whole bunch of things at once and then create this multivariable equation where, you know, if I'm shooting better or, or not as well, it's like, well, what, what, really affected, yeah, what, what really affected that, that change? So again, I'll do a lot of experimentation, but I, I'm, I'm very, very careful about actually changing something that I'll actually take, take to the firing line. Mm. Well, you can see, I mean, uh, obviously one of the real sitters as an example of it is, is people's caliber choice because there always seems to be the new flavor of the, the week in, in caliber. And certain, of the, certain ones, you know, I, I guess 6.5 Creed has been a, a great example of one that has really got in there and stuck. But there's still a lot of other other versions in there and everything. But we all know somebody who can still probably outshoot all of us with an old their old trusty 308. Yeah, like Jake Vibbert or, <laughs> or <laughs> everybody with the Pelican. Yeah, exactly. But they know how it shoots. They know the drops. They, more importantly, they probably know how to read wind better than anybody, so that they're just on the target all the time. Um, yeah. It was something I saw recently. Obviously, you guys. Uh, 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 called the 6.5 guys, but I think, um, Steve, recently you started shooting a 6mm? Yeah, 6XC. Um, this season I shot quite a bit of 6XC. Uh, again, uh, I call it looking on the other side of the hill because you always see competitive shooters that are shooting 6. And uh, when I looked at available cartridge choices, I decided to try it in 6XC. And it was more an experiment and a curiosity to see, you know, is there something there for me that um, can offer, you know, something that um, would make me a better shooter to score better? Um, you know, let's find out for for myself with some firsthand experience. So um, it's been an interesting experience. I think once that barrel is done, which will probably be sometime early next year, I'll probably end up going back to 6547. I haven't made a final decision, but that's kind of where I'm leaning because uh, what I found, at least for me personally, is um, I shoot much more consistently. And I don't know if it's my loads um, or just kind of how finicky that cartridge might be or that, that caliber choice. Um, my experience is with the 6547, it is just much more consistent and predictable what I'm going to get every time. Yeah, and consistency and predictability. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's the name of the game. And, and, and most of the shots in this game are... Uh, you know, out, out in the Western U.S. Or, or between, you know, four to 800 yards. And, and so, you know, trying to eke out the very last bit of, of ballistic efficiency yet, you know, significantly decreasing your barrel life and, you know, have, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with the six, five by 47 doesn't mean I, I I'm not going to try a six mil uh, one of these days, but then again, you look at all the top shooters and they're all, Shooting six mil, even six XC. Regina Milkovich, I know, yeah. does. And Jake and Vibbert. Jake Vibbert and 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 others. So um, <laughs> Jake's actually the one that talked me into going six XC. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Similar similar thing down here. I was looking at a build. I've got somebody who's got the um, uh, he's basically got the tooling to do um, six point five SLR. It's his. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a popular. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's got a very convincing argument for it as well. But then I was looking, there's a six SLR, but the discussion we were having 
for New Zealand is a 6.5 projectile wise we've got a lot more choice of things easily available down here than when we get into the six mils as well so that becomes another factor of of it you know how accessible are the components you want for it um i would suggest it's going to be much less of an issue for you guys over in the states where they're all actually produced but uh yeah down here we've still got uh it's more more hunting um based is what a lot of a shooting is so all the loads and all the available um components lead towards that um and down here we still have because we're not quite as um i think there's not as much of the practical style shooting we have the field shooting there's still a lot of guys who are, are still they're wanting their 338s or their right. their 50 they're wanting big um big bangs big loud noises as well um yeah so but i think as as it'll change there's more guys now there's a lot of the 6.5s um the 55 or 47 in it um down here guys shooting them so hmm. yeah i think i mean right now particularly for a, a beginning shooter the, the common question is like okay what cartridge do i start with and we've kind of boiled it down to like are you going to reload or not and if they said Oh, we're going to reload. Then it's six five by forty seven. If you're not going to reload, it's uh, six five Creedmoor. Simply because there's just a a really good selection of accurate uh, factory, the yeah, off the shelf uh, ammunition. And we give it another year. I would suggest that with the same down here at the moment, though, it's still sitting at the that like your three oh eight basically is. Uh, my first my first competition rifle was 308. It was like tried and tested. I knew I could get parts. I knew I could get everything for it. Now it would be very close to going. Well, 6.5 Creed will probably um, do the job better. And but we're just starting to see some of that match ammo for it come down and be available and and off the shelf essentially. Well, you know, people here are calling 6.5 Creed the new 308. I mean, it's become so readily readily available. Exactly. On factory yeah, there's and, really not a compelling reason to start with 308 anymore. So, although next year <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, that's we're, we're gonna be yeah, we can get into that conversation yeah. when you want because we're we're actually going full circle back to three hundred eight. Um, so it, <laughs> <laughs> we're not changing our name. I mean, it, it's out of interest. Is you you're wanting to go back to three hundred eight? You're looking at shooting in a particular uh, class or division, or yeah, yeah. yeah, that's basically the main driver. Is um, PRS has a tactical. Uh, law enforcement competition division and they're starting to put a few more restrictions around it um, to basically um, even the game up because it, you can quickly make it into an arms race if there's no rules around what protect what projectiles you can use and so on so they're they're gonna put those rules in place so there's there's that element which we think will be interesting I think also from the folks that follow us um, a lot of them, uh, probably our new shooters are having an interest in getting into this and probably may already have a 308 exactly. sitting in their safe that they can kind of quickly um, either use it as is or drop into a chassis, put a new trigger on it, and, and take it to a match. So what we want to do is, is you know, produce a little bit of content next year kind of geared towards mm -hmm. them that says, hey, we're going to go take a 308. Um, you know, I have one that's, that's basically that. It's a Remington 700 that's been accurized with a new barrel. Um, so I'll start off with that. We're going to do test out some new exciting bullets that have came out. So you may have just heard about the NOS or reduced drag factor. The RDFs came out. Um, there's uh, some that we've are testing from one of our sponsors, Mid South. Yeah, Mid -South. The match monsters. The match monsters. So yeah. one one fifty five grain, uh, thirty mm -hmm. thirty caliber bullet. Um, and then there's the old Palma standby, the one fifty five CNRs from Lapua. Um, we'll see how those stack up. Yeah, we're also trying out. I mean, one thing we really liked about the six five by forty seven brass was that that small rifle primer and just how stout uh, that cartridge is. So we're actually uh, using the three oh eight Palma brass, which is uh, it actually has a small rifle primer. And Lapua was was kind enough to to provide us uh, with that brass. So we're we're going to give that um, a shot. And and since we you know tend to run. At, at at near max, it's it's nice to have uh, a really stout case like yeah. that, and I think Brass Life too. You know, you're not gonna you know have primer pockets loosen up on you like you probably would yeah. with a, a large rifle yeah. primer. 
And then, um, you know, rounded out the Hornaday has the the ELDX, um, you know, the ELD bullets, which they came out with last year, but it's another kind of compelling offering. So I think there's just a lot of kind of new bullet um, technology that's that's new then from where it was a couple of years ago that uh, are giving shooters a lot of different choices to take a look at. So we're going to kind of see if we can dial in a, a good competition load and then we're going to be running some or competing NPRS in the the uh, the mill Leo division and yeah. see how it goes. Well, and, and another thing that kind of excites me is, you know, one of the reasons that people go to six mil from six five is to reduce recoil. So we're, we're going, you know, the completely different, different direction. I'm sure we'll never complain about the six five recoil again, but then, you know, it becomes a quest of like, I mean, we know the 308 is going to be accurate. I mean, it's a, it's, it's an, it's an accurate rifle, but it's curious to see, you know, from when I was shooting 308 before with, you know, 155 CNRs, it's like, you know, what about those those new bullets, right? Um, you know, in the 175 grain weight class, you know, what what can those really do at, at long range? And then it's, you know, trying out, uh, you know, different muzzle brakes and, and seeing what we can do to really, really tame the, the, the recoil of that rifle. I mean, I'm, I have a real kind of academic curiosity around that. And, and I, I finally believe it'll make us better shooters. Um, you know, if, if you can, maintain good recoil management, a good sight picture right. um, through that shot. Um, it's gonna pay dividends down the road when you jump back on your 6.5 or 6 mil rifle. Cause I know our friend Jake Vibbert, um, currently ranked one person in the nation. Right. Um, he pretty much practices everything he does that's not in a match, he's running a 308 and then. Yeah, yeah and, and I think that, that additional recoil and learning to manage it yeah. just, just makes you a, a, a better shooter and so then when you just move to that six mil i mean it's it, it's probably feels to him like a rim fire uh when he when he does that uh, well it was interviewing regina a week before last she said exactly the same thing she's got a training rifle which is a 223 uh her match rifle was a 6xc but then leading up to the match she'll be shooting a 308 so that when she gets back behind that 6xc which is set up the same you know, um, muscle memory-wise, same chassis and system, I believe, um, but the recoil is, uh, by comparison, is gone. Well, and and I think that's important because in this game or sport, some of the trigger techniques you have to use are a little different depending on the situation. Sometimes you have to be very aggressive on the trigger, maybe sometimes a little slower. But when you you have to be aggressive at times, you know, that can induce, uh, you know, anticipation or flinch. And so I think, uh, you know, what Regina said is, is very valid. And of course, what we've observed with folks like Jake, you know, if, if you get used to a, a 308, then I think with the other calibers, it will allow you to be a lot more aggressive on the trigger, but not induce anticipation or flinch, kind of like when you get behind a rim fire. I mean, you you never anticipate or, or think about it going off. Versus if somebody says, "Hey, you know, you want to get behind my three thirty eight or, or. <laughs> right now." There's people watching this going three oh eight. That doesn't have recoil. Come shoot the three three eight or the seven rim mag or the yeah, right. You know, yeah. So, so one thing that I followed, which was uh, of interest to me, that that. I actually hadn't seen before. And then funnily enough, having this conversation with Regina, it's like, oh, uh, same thing. Now, you guys put a video up, which was reloading on a progressive, basically, or yeah. ma match loading or ac accurate loading on a progressive, yeah. uh, which really interests me because I've, for my pistol shooting, I've got a 550 down there. Um, yeah. And then I've also got my single stage. And the difference speed-wise between the two is obviously phenomenal. Um, so I was very interested when started watching what you guys were doing about just speeding up that reloading process. And it, again, it's, I understand some guys love the time they spend down on the bench because they maybe get to escape the main house and just it's very, you know, it's a thing that they do and I enjoy the process, but also if I can spend less time doing that and more time shooting it as, as a preference to me. Um, and then I was surprised to find that again, Regina is loading all of her match ammo on a, a 550 as well so i guess how was that something that you'd 
always been reloading on a progressive and you just started loading the mash stuff or something you experimented with or how did that sort of come about? So David Tubb was reloading on a 550 15 years ago, maybe even longer. And he, he had made some modifications. And I remember watching those videos even before I got into to this shooting. But I had a 550 and I bought it just for loading pistol. But I thought, you know, to, to reload precision rifle rounds, it's got to be on a single stage. So, you know, I had a Reading turret press and I had a Forrester coax. But one day, you know, I was just down there. I had to reload 300 rounds. And I was like, this has this is going to take forever. Yeah, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. And so, so the first thing that really sped things up for both of us prior to the progressive press was the lanolin spray loop. That, I mean, because sometimes you, you see videos on stuff and you're like, ah, I don't know if that's going to work. Man, the first time I used that lanolin lube, I mean, it was pure ecstasy because before that, you know, I, I was using, you know, the, the, the Redding uh, Imperial or the Imperial dye wax. And then I really smart when I could do five at a time on a lube pad. I thought I was really I was really speeding things up. So so that was that was the first step. But I was still reloading on a single stage. And, and then, you know, so, so Steve and I, you know, we're both going on a single stage. And then I remember, I saw that 550, it was, it was all dusty. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give that thing a shot because I've got to speed this up. And then when I started doing measurements around concentricity, and then when, you know, I looked at the chronograph results and when I looked at the results on paper, it was as good, if not sometimes better than what I was getting off my single stage press. So now it's this uh, single stage press that's dusty. <laughs> oh yeah, no, seriously, I've unbolted those and 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 now on the 550, I do everything, everything from pistol to rifle. I mean, I haven't. So I haven't quite made that jump. You know, I'm still single stage press. Um, the only exception right now is my trainer, the 223 trainer. Um, I am running a Hornady lock and load. Uh, another, it's an auto progressive, but I think the key factor there that allows me to get that consistency is one, we're using um, a real fine XBR 8208, yeah, XBR 8208, yeah. which is a very fine extruded powder, uh, meters like a dream through the Hornady um, powder drop measure. It's very, very consistent. I'm, I'm always within nine times out of 10 within, uh, or right either right on and that 10th time it might be off by 0.1. So for, for a practice load, um, it definitely, you know, gets me on right. the target. So, um, you know, I can crank out 1,200 rounds, you know, 200, two boxes of 600 in, in a day, um, you know, fairly, you know, easy pace. So um, when, we, when we start jumping into 308 and I dial in a load, you know, I'll probably, again, be using that same powder and that same press. Yeah, because that 8208's got a burn rate right around H4895, and even in the Dillon powder measure, it meters like a dream. Now, with the exception of my 223 practice ammo, I individually weigh the loads, even though I'm using the Dillon, because Dillon has a, a, a powder die that, that allows you to do that. But, you know, we're hearing really good things about XBR 8208. In the 308, it's extremely temperature sensitive, made in Australia, so I assume it's made by ADI, you know, who makes Varget and, and, and all, all of that. And, we, you know, we really, really want that to work. <laughs> Put it that way. Such time savings. Then, then, yeah, I mean, then we could just crank out yeah. 308 ammo like there's, there's no tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think mean, when you are a high-volume shooter and, and you reload, um, which in most cases, those two things come hand in hand. You're right. looking for every time savings practice right. you can find. And to the extent that you can take what you're doing, single stage, move it to a, a, um, a progressive, you're just going to save time and, and spend more time on the range. Absolutely. I, I think the thing is, and it, it, you know, myself included, I'd always had this 550.
there, but I'd never considered using it for any of my rifle because the, the general consensus was no, if you want accuracy, you're going to be doing it on a single stage. And I still think it's an interesting point it, that you brought up. I think it's that balance between um, how accurate do I need it ultimately, you know, and we're not necessarily talking bench rest or F-class territory versus I'm going to need 200 of them to shoot over the course of a day versus a box of 20. And I, I think... But, 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 but off of the 550, though, here's the amazing thing. I thought I would have to make a, a bit of trade-off on quality for speed. I, I thought I would have to do a bit of trade-off. But, you know, I, the, the chronograph results, I mean, last time I was out, I got an SD of two. <laughs> it, now I'd be spoiled. If, if, if my SD is above five, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. But, you know, all of the, you know, objective measurements that I've taken, you know, from concentricity to consistency of seating depth to what you see on paper to what you see off the chronograph, you know, I'm not training quality for speed. And, and, and that, that's what's, you know, incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy. Now, some people could argue that there's probably some incremental quality to be had with, you know, really high-end single-stage press and high-end dyes. I won't argue with that. But, you know, for, for what we do, I just, you know, I'm, put it this way, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking right now to explore any other reloading options because the reason I'm missing targets is, is, is not because of some deficiency in, 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 in reloading. Well, I had explained to me as well is that you know that you can for for brass prep and reload you can do many 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 stages and many more stages than I would ever do. But a very smart gentleman who can shoot a lot better than me said, "Well, why don't you just get it up to a very good point, which you're doing already, and spend the rest of the time learning how to read wind?" Because he said that'll make more difference for you at this point than than spending another three hours prepping all that brass and making sure everything is a hundred percent. And I would tend to agree with them at the moment. Well, yeah, because you can't read wind with a degree of resolution <laughs> that may be neck turning. <laughs> you know, the additional accuracy that, that that you got from maybe neck turning or doing some other, you know, you know, additional time consuming activity is just going to be lost in, in, in the static of, of, of just wind, for example. So I, I would agree with them 100%. But I think the challenge is it can be satisfying because you can measure that neck turning or you can measure that and go, oh, yes, we've reduced it down. Um, but yeah, that might not actually translate to hitting that target anymore. <laughs> well, if I can get an indentured servant who'll do all my neck turning... <laughs> I'll start, I'll start neck turning. Oh, but, you know, talking about precision reloading from your neck of the woods, uh, you know, we got the uh, annealing made perfect damp. Yeah, from from your neck of the woods. So there's a there's a piece of New Zealand uh, up, up here where uh, where we are. So I was um, I actually I added that in my my questions because I saw that that popped up um, on your site recently. The uh, I was in a store today, a new new hunting and uh, fishing and shooting store, and they've got a reloading area up there, and there's a gas annealer up there. And I said that's uh, which I actually I have a gas annealer here as well, but I've I've used the AMP, and I was trying to uh, say very nicely to these guys that the time of the gas annealer may have just been completely uh, superseded by the induction and by this AMP unit because of as you guys are aware of, with the, the ability to send your brass in and them to actually test it in a laboratory. Um, so out of interest, actually, from for a product like that that's come out of New Zealand, how did you guys hear about it? They reached out to us. Um, yeah. So is this one of those instances where, um, you know, from time to time, I would say, what, maybe once a week we'll get um, mm -hmm. somebody that says, hey, I got this product. Um, if you have an interest, you know, let, let's talk. So um, we, we do, you know, often find new products that way. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and, and prior to them reaching out to us, I, I had seen a video on it many months prior. And, and I'll admit, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, I got to insert the brass and push the button. And it just I just I, I had originally discounted that. But uh, when we actually got a unit and uh, had a chance to evaluate it, it was like, well, I mean, we bought one, put it that way. I mean, <laughs> so. 
I think it's one of those uh, every now and then a product comes through that sort of just um, yeah lifts the bar again and just changes. I'm sure now everyone else will be going, right, we need to do annealing and we need to do it automated at this level as well. Um, but it's a cool example of, um, yeah, just somebody really thinking about it and, and um, yeah, lifting the bar for everybody else really. Well, and what's exciting though is, you know, it comes out of New Zealand and so, uh, you know, Steve and I talk about this a lot. It's you, you can really see how the sport is is maturing and growing because not only do you have a great selection of products from the U.S., you know, which you which you would expect because you know if we've got a real shooting culture in, in the U.S., but but when you see just great products coming from around the world and that become available around the world and just aren't sold say in New Zealand but but globally I mean I, I think that that's very exciting mm-hmm. for the guys listening in and want to find out more about the 6.5 guys and what you're up to uh, how do people find out about your site and about your videos you're putting out www.65guys.com yeah all of the you know all of our articles and um, videos are posted to our website and that's the preferred medium just because um you know, our folks that sponsor us and our advertisers. They want to see, yeah, they want um, to see hits. They'll, yeah, they'll yeah. get to see a few, um, you know, of, of who those folks are. But, uh, you know, the other places, Facebook, we, we tend to be, um, a lot of our more random stuff um, will hit Facebook page, right. which is uh, six, five guys spelt out. It's not the numbers, S-I-X-F-I-V-E-G-U-I-S, six, five guys. Um, so we're on Facebook, but the links are all on the website. So if yeah. there's just one place to go, just yeah, six, five guys.com. And then you can, uh, see everything. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you very much again for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, enjoy your evening over there. All right. Well, Karen, Carrie, really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the trigonometry podcast. Please make sure you visit our site at precisionshooter.info where you'll find show notes, additional links, and a pile of extra information, including competitions and updates on events near you. While you're there, pop over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, where you'll see regular updates on the goings-on in the precision shooting community in New Zealand. The way that this show grows is through people like you, so please, share on Facebook, and if you know someone who's into shooting and may be interested in checking this out, Flick them over a link. And if you're listening to this through a podcast aggregator or some form of app, make sure you leave us a review. It really makes a difference. Thanks again to the Gear Locker and all our additional supporters. And most importantly, thank you, the listener. Without you guys, none of this could happen. Talk soon, but for now, go have a shoot. <laughs>